Because he was undignified on that cross for me. He was embarrassed, and he was mocked, and he was beaten, and he was spit upon. And he suffocated so that I could be in right relationship with the Father today. See? So, man, I get excited when we sing about the sovereignty of God. And if you don't know what sovereignty is, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to have you go look it up. Okay? Just because we don't believe in drinking Kool-Aid around here, and I don't want you to take my word for it. Okay? The only Kool-Aid you need to be drinking is the one that Jesus is pouring. Okay? Make sense? Right? That's who we follow. Jesus is the senior pastor here. That's who we're going to follow. That's who we'll always follow. And that's who we're going to give the glory today uh, is Jesus for our freedom, for the chance to be able to study his word today. And uh, so let me, let me just a couple of things real quickly before we get started. Man, I'm ready to sing that song again. I'll just be honest with you, man. That song is so good. Even in the valley, man. And has anybody ever been in a valley? Right? Some of the real spiritual say, no, I've never been in one, but have you, ever been, have you ever been in the valley? Have you ever been going through something? Have you ever told God that it's not fair? Have you ever told God, why me? Why not the other guy? You ever done that? Like you look around and you're like, boy, that guy really deserves that trial. Doesn't he ever done that? Like two people? Right? <laughs> right? But to be able to confidently scream from the shout of the top of your lungs and shout that he is good and that he is faithful and he is righteous and he is just. Listen, there's some days I don't wake up wanting to declare that. Okay, I'm just telling you right now, there's some days I wake up and going, boy, this really stinks. Right? You ever been there? Or do you and Jesus hold hands and skip across the yard every morning on the way to your car? Okay? Right? It's just, it's real life, isn't it? Just going through real things. And some of us blame our spouses and our kids and our work and our career, our parents and other things. But the reality is, listen, don't, don't be so quick to tell God that it's not for you or that you don't want to go through this or deliver me from this because he may be sanctifying you through that. Right? I, I heard a preacher say one time, he's a fellow preacher here in town, and he says that God is more interested in your justification than you are. I always like to add sanctification to that as well, that God is interest, both interested both in your justification, which justification simply means to be made right. Your sanctification means to continue to grow you and mature you through this walk, this progressive thing that we're walking every day. God is more interested in that than you and I are. How do I know that? Go read Romans 5, 8, because it says when we didn't care about God, he sent his son to die for us, and that's the way he demonstrated his love. So when you and I were consumed with self, God was con concerned about reconciling this broken relationship. Right? Isn't that good? So he's more concerned about it than you and I will ever be. And so whenever we declare his goodness and his faithfulness. Now listen, I grew up in a charismatic church. And for those that don't know what charismatic is, I try to, I always don't want to take for granted that people know. We just basically ran around the building a lot and did the centipede for Jesus and, you know, did some break dancing every now and then had a good time. Listen, if you're charismatic today, I don't mean that mean and cruel because I still would be labeled charismatic today. And listen, if, he, if the Lord tells you to do the centipede for, for him, do the centipede for him. Does anybody know what the centipede is? Right? Do you want me to demonstrate it for you real quick? No, I can't do it. If I did it here, I would hurt myself on this, on this floor. But I'm being a little sarcastic and silly, but, but I grew up in a church that, you know, all these things were declared and all these things were said, and we never talked about suffering or trials. We just talked about declaring things. So guess what I did when I got older? Here comes the trial in the valley, and what I would do is I would start declaring things, and I'd still be in the trial and valley. And then I would go, well, whose fault is it? It's either mine because I don't have enough faith to declare something or it's God's. I'm, I'm just, I'm being honest. This is not the message today. I'm just being, I'm just going to take a few minutes here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't be so quick to say, oh, I don't need to go through that because I'm a child of God. No, sometimes God allows things for us to go through so he can continue to sanctify us and make us more of a child of God that brings him glory. Do you understand? Okay, so even in the midst of that, you can say you're faithful, you're good, you're just, you're holy, even though I don't like it, because guess what? Faith is not necessarily a feeling. Would you agree with that? You ever been hyped up on faith from a revival service? That preacher comes and you're just like, man, you're like Dwayne the Rock Johnson when you leave there, aren't you? 
you're just ready to kick some Duke, man. That's what I call it, Duke. I'm trying to keep it because we have kids in here today, okay? Right? I mean, you just walk out of here, and what does the enemy do as soon as you walk out of here? Man, he right hooks you, don't you? And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I could do this. And it's only Sunday afternoon at 3.30, and church was at tw- ended at 12. You ever been there? You understand what I'm saying? That's why we need to embrace these things because we're confident in him, not in my feeling in the way that I feel through them, right? My feelings have nothing to do with his sovereignty and his goodness. He's still going to be good regardless of the way that I feel, right? So why am I taking this time to do that? Because some of you are like, Rob, quit chasing the rabbit and get the the Holy Spirit to shoot the shotgun at it so we can move on. Here's why I'm saying this to you. Because we sing these songs in in, in Western America, and a lot of us, or the church, we take it for granted that you know exactly what they mean. Don't we? Like the word sovereignty, if I was to ask everybody to raise their hand in here, I don't want you to, but if I was to ask everybody to raise their hand in here, how many people could clearly define the sovereignty of God? Because I promise if you go look at it, it's a scary definition. It is. That's, that's homework this week. Go Google it while you're sitting at the pool this today. Like you're at the pool, just sit there and be like, happy for sovereignty. <laughs> just right there on your Google smartphone. Don't do it next to the water, of course, right? Because then you'll blame me for dropping your phone in the pool. But go, go look at it sometime. And see what it really means, the sovereignty of God. I don't want to take it for granted that we understand these things and we know these things. Because listen, 10 years ago, I didn't know them either. I grew up in church. I grew up in a spirit-filled church. And I grew up, we do all these wonderful things. But I didn't even know who God really was. I knew tons of things about him, but I didn't really know him. And my whole world fell apart every time that I went through something. You ever been there? It's because I didn't really know him. And I can't have faith in someone I really don't know. Do you understand? You understand? Is, am, I, am, I, am I being truthful? Right? Why would you worship a God that you don't even know? It's not enough to sit in church for 20 years, okay? All right, so the rabbit's dead. Boom, it's gone. Okay? All right, a couple of things real quickly. If you're brand new this morning, I want to mention this real quickly. This is what we call our connection card. It's in the back of every seat. You don't have to wave it like I'm doing here. I'm just doing it for effects, Okay? I want you to fill that out sometime between now and the end of service. There's a little brown box out there. We would love to connect with you. Either myself or one of the leaders will call you, text you, stalk you on Facebook, something, and we'll reach out to you and just tell you we were glad, glad that you're here, okay? All right, so let's move forward. Notes, this is number two. Some of you already lost, right? We're 10 minutes in, and some of us are, some of us are already lost, so stay with me, all right? Here we go. Everybody with me? All right, here's the notes. These are notes that we put together every Sunday morning, or pretty much every Sunday morning. They're on the back of every other seat, or they should be. We do ask that if you're a couple to share, if you do not want to share, that is fine. We will make sure that you get a copy. There's some on the front rows here that you can have. Well, our people make sure that our guests and our visitors have those sheets for us. So if you see someone looking around going, boy, I wish I really had a sheet, would you make sure they have that? We want you to be able to have these notes to be able to follow along with, to be able to uh, maybe study through the week. If you don't have a steady devotion time, these are good things to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You hear what I said? Don't let me speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'm just going to do my best to communicate the gospel, and then your faith will grow by the hearing of the word of God. That's a Romans 10 thing. That's what Paul said, right? So let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and as he gives you things, write them down. Now, for some of you that um, are very OCD, we are in part five today. The sheet says part four. So if you need to change that right now, by the grace of God, go ahead and change that to part five at the top of the sheet there. It's part four, part, we're part five today, and we're going to be talking about the story of Rebecca in the Bible, okay? So we're going to go along with this. Caleb is going to fill in today and help us make sure that we have everything on the screen. So let's get right to it. Hebrews 12.1, right? Hebrews 12.1, if we could put that on the screen, please. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, okay? A couple of things. I'm not going to explain everything about this because we've done it for four weeks, okay? But the thing I want you to understand today is that faith is not about conjuring up something. You understand what I'm saying? Faith is trusting in the promises of God, right? You understand what I'm saying? See, for me, if it's left up to me alone, On my best day, I'm never going to fully trust him. 
That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts to testify that we are a child of God. Because when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us trust in him, guess who the Holy Spirit's going to always testify of? Jesus. Right? So it's, 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 I want to be very clear because somebody said, well, you haven't talked about faith being active. I'm not saying faith is inactive. Faith is active. But what I'm saying to you is faith is not about all of us getting together and conjuring up something and giving you seven ways to be a better faith person. If you want to be a better faith person, get in the gospel and begin to read and study and pray through the gospel and you'll get to know him. And the more that you get to know him, the more that you will trust him and the more confidence you will have in him. See, it's not about me conjuring up something, because if it's based on what you and I will do, then what we're doing, again, is we're saying, God, we really don't need you. It makes much of us because of the things that we can do without you. But if we say we fully trust you and have confidence in you, even when it's absurd, which we talked about on Wednesday night, absurd according to the, the finite mind, right? Has God ever asked you to do something absurd? He's asked me. I, I'll give it to you. He told me to plant Celebration Church. And I was like, God, we don't have any money. He says, call two people. So I call two people. And God says, now you have money. What's your excuse now? Right? Do you understand? Sometimes God calls you to get out of the boat, doesn't he? Right? And it's not that I muster up the confidence to get out of the boat. It's that I have confidence that he'll keep me from drowning. Do you understand? It's him. It's all about him, okay? So we talked about these great cloud of witnesses. Serenus, who are the great cloud of witnesses? Once again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. The great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12.1 doesn't make sense unless you go back and read Hebrews 11, where the author starts off in 11.1, and those that grew up in church know this passage really well because it's a very familiar passage. He defines faith, faith for us, and then he lists all of these people in the Old Testament not everyone in the Old Testament, but these certain individuals of the Old Testament to testify of God's goodness. Here's the bottom line that you need to know right now. Their lives are a testimony that perseverance is possible, right? And let us run with perseverance or endurance. Some versions say patience, the race that is marked out for us. You and I didn't mark out the race. God in his sovereign plan marked out the race for us. Do you understand? So perseverance is possible because he's the one that marked out the race and because he's faithful and he's good. Caleb, can we go to part two of that, uh, verse two? Maybe. Okay, here's what the author says in, in Hebrews 12, two. He says, looking to Jesus, the author, where it is, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. So who's, who's the one that initiates faith? God, who's the one that sustains faith? Jesus, who's the one that grows our faith? Jesus, who are the one that we're, who's the one that we're supposed to be looking to as we run this race so we don't lose faith? Jesus. But when we become sovereign, we begin to look to ourselves, and that's when we begin to slow down and stumble and fall. This is what he says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, See, this is what we're talking about, suffering and the trials. Listen, how many people would put joy and the word cross together in the same sentence? For the joy set before him, if you want a little reference scripture, go read Philippians 2, starting around in verse uh, 6, 6 through 12, and read what Jesus did, that he left divine glory to be shamed for you and me. That's what read. Don't take my word for it. Go read it. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, right? So these Old Testament lives testify that perseverance is possible. Now, here's what we do as Christians, don't we? We read the Old Testament or we read the New Testament, and it's almost like we're going to watch a superhero film, isn't it? Like, really, when you read Jonah, do you really believe it's believable? I mean, let's be honest, right? Let's be real, right? Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You're just too spiritual to say it out loud, okay? You're like, come on, God, right? You're like, come on, right? Am I right? Some of you are like, no, you're not right, right? The reality is we have to read the word of God at face value. And even if it seems absurd to this finite mind, God's ways are infinite, and he knows best in every situation, 
right? That's what running the race is, man. I'm fixing my eyes. Hey, Jesus, I don't really understand this, right? Come on, Jesus. Right? Why would I move to South Mississippi, right? Because God told you to, right? Why would you come to South Tupelo to plant a church when everybody's planting in North Tupelo? Because God told me to, right? It seems absurd. Why would you plant with no money? Because God told me to. Because he said, you know what? I don't want you to have any part to do in it because I know your personality. You'll try to take the credit for it, and I'm going to get all the credit for this one. You see? It's absurd. It's irrational. But when we fix our eyes on him, it don't matter how crazy it seems because he will sustain us if we keep our eyes on him, right? Okay, so here we are in the story of Rebecca, okay? The story of Rebecca. Listen, this is not meant to be a comprehensive overview of everyone's story. These are just to give you a little taste and for you to go and study the word of God yourself. So let's get right to it real quickly. So it says right here on the first part of your notes, for when people ask for your help, that next line should say, give generously to others, right? When people ask for your help, give generously to others. And we'll put that on the screen here in just a second, okay? For when people ask for your help, give generously to others. And here's what I want you to see in the story of Rebecca. There's so much more than what I'm going to share with you today, but I want to take out a little excerpt, a little snippet, and I want to show you something very generous that Rebecca did, okay, that I think will speak to all of our lives today. So let's go to Genesis 24, 12 and 15. Then he prayed, O Lord, right? Do we got it on there? There we go. All right. O Lord, God of my father, Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Okay. And I'm going to explain all this in just a second. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, right, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one who you have chosen for your servant Isaac. Okay, by this, I will know that you have, you have shown kindness to my master before he had finished praying. Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder. Okay, let me explain a couple of things. Here's the story of Abraham's most trusted servant. Okay, Eliezer. Okay. This is, this is true, but you can go read it for yourself. He is told by Abraham to go find his son Isaac. How many people have heard of Isaac before? Right? Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob, right? You've heard those names before in the Bible if you grew up in our church. If you didn't grow up around church, you just learned three new names. Okay? Here we go. So here's Isaac is now a young man, grown up. Abraham is way on up in age. Sarah, his wife, remember Sarah in the Bible? Remember Abraham? Father Abraham. Remember that? Have many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. Remember that? You were real dramatic when you were a kid singing it. And so are you. You two, your parents like that. So are you. So let's just praise. Remember that song, some of you? You're welcome, by the way, for putting that in your head all week, okay? And then you would go right hand, left hand, and you would do this really, uh, really spontaneous thing. And I'm sorry, this thing keeps falling off. You would do this, you like really spaz out on stage singing that song, okay? You remember that? Father Abraham, for those that grew up in church, okay? So we know who Abraham is. He's all up in age, right? He's an older man now. But before he passes away, he wants to make sure that Isaac doesn't marry a Canaanite woman. Why? Because the Canaanites were pagan people. They were idolatrous people. They were wicked people. Even though Abraham was promised the land and he's living in the land, he still doesn't want to Isaac for marry this girl from the land. So he goes to his most trusted servant, and he says, listen, I want you to travel 450 miles to my home country where God called me out of, right? And I want you to go find a girl, right, for my son, okay? Now let me show you how they did it. They had this custom in the Old Testament where they, one dude to another dude, would put his hand right below the thigh, okay? Now, I wouldn't do that, probably, you know what I mean? Because some of you macho men probably wouldn't do it either, right? But I want you to think of this. This is how my sense of humor works. Imagine going up to another friend of mine and be like, hey, man, 
Let's make an oath together. And let me swear that I'm going to go complete this thing that you want me to complete. Right? You see how absurd that is? Right? And it was something they did, right? You put your hand, right? And you swear it was a very serious thing. So his most trusted servant gives an oath, a covenant with Abraham that he's going to find Isaac, the woman that, that he feels is right for Isaac, okay? Here's the thing. The servant gets scared and says, well, what if I, what if I mess up? You know what I love what Abraham says? Abraham says that God's going to send an angel before you, right? In other words, the same faith that I had when I left the country that he asked me to leave and go into a foreign land is the same faith that I had when he told me I would have a son. And oh, by the way, this is a word for someone this morning. What did Abraham try to do? He tried to come up with his own plan, didn't he? But listen, God can take that mess today. God can take it even if you've tried to write your own plan and he can turn it for your good and his glory, right? So the same faith that he would give him and Sarah a son as they were up in years, the same faith when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac and he provided a substitute sacrifice is now the same faith that he's speaking to his servant saying, listen, you're going to travel 450 miles. Oh, by the way, it was on camel. So I want you to think about that. I, I, we don't think about things like this. Okay, first the oath, right? Going up to, I mean, that's just as silly to me. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Like I couldn't imagine because Dale's like seven foot two and I'm five foot five, which would be really awkward in itself. Okay, and going up to Dale and go, Dale, I need you to swear to me that you're going to do this thing. And then Dale goes, okay, Rob. Okay, right? It would just look weird, wouldn't it? Now, it was customary in that time, but it would look weird to us. So now this guy's got to travel 450 miles with 10 camels and other stuff. How many people have ever driven 450 miles before? Raise your hand in a car. Just raise your hand. Okay, how long is that roughly? Somebody tell me. I'm not, can some, is that what? Okay, six or seven hours. So 450 miles with 10 camels and other stuff to go find a girl, right? It's like, hey, why don't we have this instead of The Bachelor, right? This would make a great TV show to make someone in the Middle East right now say, listen, if you want to go see, get your girlfriend, you're going to have to travel 450 miles across the desert plains, okay, by camel, right? Right? So... Think about this, 450 miles, he's going to go, but listen what Abraham says. Abraham says, I'm fully confident you'll do the job, not because of you. Yes, you are my most trusted servant, but because I know God is going to go before you, and he's going to give the right girl, right? So here's what happens. The servant gets there, and he goes, okay, here's the sign that I'm going to look for. Now listen, this is the sign he's going to look for. If the girl asks me for a drink of water myself, right, and if she asked to give waters to my 10 camels as well. Only Katie and I think that's funny. Okay, now think about this. 450 miles, I got 10 camels with me, and this is the sign. Like, don't you think it would be like something like more awesome than that when you read the Bible? Like maybe the thunder would, you know, roar and the waters would come out of the well, you know, something like that. He's like, if they offer me a drink, and then he offers my 10 camels a drink. That's the girl I'm going to go with. Okay? This is what happens. And guess what happens? Rebecca comes and says, not only will I give you a drink of water, but I'll also give your camels a drink of water. And since some of you need another Starbucks or two, I'm going to show you how funny this is. Okay? Hey, Caleb, can we put that, that, the graph on there about the 10 camels? Just because some people need to laugh a little bit more this morning, okay? I want you to see this now, okay? Now, I didn't do this math. People way smarter than me did it, okay? I'm just going to look smart this morning, okay? Here we go. Ten camels. It takes about 20 gallons for a camel to have its thirst, an average of 20 gallons for, for the thirst of a camel to be, to be quenched, if you will, okay? So ten camels at 20 gallons each equals 200 gallons of water, Okay? 200 gallons drawn with a five-gallon jar, because back in that day, they would have had a two- to five-gallon jar, equals 40 trips from the well to the camels. 
Okay, let's go one step further. 40, 40 trips, not, not that other word I try to say, 40 trips at three minutes each equals two stinking hours. Now let me ask you something. Was that a generous gesture or not? Right? So let's think about this for a minute. On this hot Mississippi day, right? This hot Mississippi day, this random person comes up to you with 10 camels, which if that happens, by the way, you probably would want to run today, but it, back then it was, it was okay, all right? That'd be, a, right? That's your choice, but, right? And they come up to you, and you say, not only am I going to give you a drink, sir, but I'm going to give your 10 camels a drink as well. It would roughly take you about two hours to give them to satisfy all their thirst. Okay? Now listen, I don't have time to get into the whole story today, but the thing that I want you to see and I want to focus on just for a second is this generous gesture. Because of this, God used Rebecca. She winds up marrying Isaac. There's a lot that goes into it. Please, for time's sake, I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry, okay? But God uses Rebecca to have two twins, right? Okay? And their names were Esau and Jacob. Remember Jacob and Esau? One's name means Harry, and one main name means supplanter, which that'd be weird in itself to have a name like Harry, but, you know, to mean that, but whatever. It's, it's God, man, you know? Okay? And guess what? Jacob, right, was the father of a guy named Joseph that we studied last week. You see God's plan in action here? Who in the heck would have thought that God's plan would have consisted of a woman coming to a well giving someone to drink and 10 camels to drink of water, okay? But here's what I want to focus on today is the generosity of, of Rebecca just for a second. Listen, genuine faith, genuine faith, there's, if there's one sign of a believer, if you want to know you're truly born again, and I'm not trying to get you to question your faith this morning, but listen, there's no way you can convince me that you are born again and you don't have a generous heart. There's just no way. As a matter of fact, I believe the church and not Celebration Church, that's not what I'm saying, the universal body of Christ should be the most generous organization on the face of the planet. That's what I believe. Why? Because we have experienced a love that uh, by God, he was so generous in his love towards us by sending his son Jesus. Yes? Okay? So I believe we should be the most generous people on the face of the planet. Okay? Now, listen, this is not a message today to get you to put more money in the offering plate, so please don't put that guard up because we don't believe in that. Matter of fact, we rarely even talk about stuff like that because of the fact that we trust in God's sovereignty. And if God said to do something, we're going to do it, whether who gives or not, because he's going to always provide for it. That's part of having faith, right? So that's not that, but I want you to see is that genuine faith, because we've been talking about running this race, and faith is about being generous, okay? Number one, you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. You can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? God gives lavishly to us, generously towards our son so therefore our heart should be compelled to do the same thing listen second corinthians 9 7 let me just give you this real quickly okay this simply means this and i get asked this time and i've been asked this all the several times at celebration church why don't we talk about offering why don't we talk about this really why do we just kind of have a little small part for it it's because look what this says generosity should never be under compulsion or someone manipulating to give, but it should rather be out of a heart that's been transformed by a generous God. You understand? That's why I said I really have to question if you're born again, because generosity should just flow out of you. Right? It shouldn't be like, mm, let me think if I need to be generous today. Right? We as Christians should be generous every single day of the week, not just on Sundays and not when people can see it. Okay? Right? So it's not under compulsion. It's not under grudgingly. It's not under this thing of, oh, I have to. Right? Generosity, when we give, it's an act of worship to God. Listen, let me say this to you as well. When you give generously, it's by faith because you have faith that he's going to continue to supply what you need to keep, continue to be generous. You understand? Let me say that because some of you didn't get it and I kind of messed it up as well. 
True faith says I can be generous no matter what my socioeconomic status is, no matter where I'm at on, on, the, on the economic tree, no matter what my situation is today, I can be generous with what I have because my faith is in the one who is going to continue to supply what I need in order for me to continue to be generous to others. That's faith, right? That he's going to supply that. He's going to continue to supply the need. Right. Number two, you can't walk the second mile. And I'm having to go a little bit quicker than I want to, guys, but I spent too much time in the beginning. So just bear with me as we go here. OK, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. OK, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. OK. And, and here we see in Luke 16. Jesus is speaking of the parable of the unjust servant. Look what he says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Right? I hear this all the time. Well, I can't be generous, God, uh, Rob, because you don't know my situation. Okay? Can I just be very, very honest with you for a minute? Is that okay? Can I? Can I? Okay? One of the hardest things that we've ever done here, and this is not to put attention to me or to my family. I'm just going to be honest with you. As your pastor, I've always been honest. Be real. Do you know that the hardest time financially that we've ever had in our lives is when we planted this church? Just going to be real with you. Some of my closest friends know that. And I would like to sit here and be super spiritual and tell you that I never thought about giving up. But my friends would call me a liar because they know that I, there's times of that, right? They're here. They'll tell you. I don't have anything to hide. But then God reminds me of scriptures like this. That no matter what I'm going through, no matter what happens, I'm going to be faithful in it. See? Because then one day if I'm faithful in this, then he'll trust me if he allows me to have more. You understand? It's faithful regardless of what I'm going through. It's faithful of no matter how much it's hurting me, it's still being generous and showing up and doing the things that God has called me to do because there's lives being changed in Sal Tupelo for the glory of God, right? Now, why do I tell you that? I don't tell you that so you can play the violins for me and my family. I tell you that to encourage you that some of you are going through something right now and real faith says, I can continue to run even when everything is pulling at me, even when financially everything's a mess, even when all my relationships are a mess, even when my career's a mess, I can still run because he is faithful. You see? Right? And listen, why would God give us all of this if we can't be faithful in all of this? Let me say that again. Come on, this is a word for someone this morning. Okay? And I'm going to say it. This is not a rebuke. This is a word. It's a very strong word. We need people to serve here at Celebration Church. But why would God give us more if we can't even be faithful in the little that he's given us? One person say amen on it, please. Why? Would you? He's already so generous in giving us this. But if we can't be faithful in this, then why would he give us more? Right? Why would he give us more? Amen? I'll say amen to myself on that one. All right. Number three, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And I'm sorry I keep fidgeting with this thing. I used to make fun of Matt for doing it, but now I feel his pain today. He must have rigged it for me to do this to, to make me go through his journey for him and his suffering. Thank you, Matt, for that. But I will just say that God and sovereignty allowed you to do that so that I could go that today. All right, here we go. All right, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Matthew 16, 19 through 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, here's, here's what the author is saying, right? We must use our earthly possessions. Listen to this. We must use our earthly wealth for eternal and heavenly purposes. You understand that? 
Let me put it to you another way. We are not owners, we're stewards. God owns. Everything is God's. Okay? Now let me stop right here again. I need to get an amen button for, for some of these things because these are hard to say. Can somebody say one amen, please? Okay. We're not. And the sooner that we understand that, the more generous we'll be because it's not ours anyways. If he's been generous to us and his grace and, and, and generous in everything that we have today, then we should be generous towards others, right? We should be giving a drink to the person in the 10 camels, right? And it shouldn't be a begrudging thing, right? Nobody went up to Rebecca and said, hey, you better, right? She just did it out of a generous heart, okay? You understand? So we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So how do we lay up treasures in heaven? Listen to this. The answer is by having faith in how God has asked us to live and trusting him in all that we do. So in other words, it's not about going to heaven and God just has all this treasure waiting for us because your greatest part of your inheritance is Jesus. Yes? It's not about stuff. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. Here's the other thing. We get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Right. So when we're generous, what we're doing is we're sending it on ahead and we're storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how much you have. It has nothing to do with it. I think sometimes we think only rich people can be generous. When the reality is off all you have is two dollars to your name and you give a dollar, it means just as much to the Lord as someone has a million dollars and gives five hundred thousand. God's currency exchange isn't the same as ours here. Right. It's from a heart that has faith in him, right? I give that dollar, that dollar out of the $2, and I say, God, I trust you. I really need this right now, but I trust you because I know that you're a God of increase. It's not I give to get. That's a wrong theology, right? That's what we call the prosperity gospel, just bless, 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 bless. And so we give only to get blessed. Instead of understanding that we've already been blessed 2,000 years ago by a generous God by sending his son Jesus to die so that we could spend eternity with him. See? Right? Number four, you can't always wait for the feeling. It will follow, right? How many have ever said this? And I've, I used to say this all the time. You know, I'll just wait till God leads me. Right? But what we're really saying is I'll just wait till I kind of feel like it. Right? Come on now. Come on. Somebody's got to say amen to that one. Come on. I know we're not that spiritual here, okay? Right? But the reality is sometimes God will call you to go. Actually, most times in my life I've experienced will call me to go even when I don't feel like it. Now, listen. And my wife's here. Baby, will you raise your hands so people don't know you? That's my wife, Gina. Okay? And there's been things. And listen, I'm thankful for, for Gina because, listen, there's been times where we went to serve places, and I'll be honest with you, Gina and I broke out in a WWE match about it. You know, we jumped off the top ropes and did Rey Mysterio and all that kind of stuff, okay? We got into it, okay? But I'm thankful that she's always followed even when we didn't feel like it. Am I right, babe? There's been times where Gina was like, dude, you way off. And I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share names and experiences. But we went to a church to serve one time, and it was a really hard experience. I'm not going to lie. I was really excited about it, but in the two years that we were there, maybe roughly two years, only like five families ever spoke to us. Really, it was just really, really, really hard. Okay. And at that time, we were like, you know, what the heck are we doing here? And at that time, Gina was like saying, "What the heck are we doing here?" Right? <laughs> what well, rightfully so? It's a scary thing sometimes. But I knew that we had to go there and we had to follow. And you know what happened? And like I said, I'm not going to mention names. But there was a student there who had really kind of given up on God. We, we had called to be student pastors and we, we had given up on God. And, um, and, and I remember at a camp one year. I remember at a camp one year. And I had no idea. See, sometimes we complain before we really see the blessing that God has in us. And I'll be honest with you, it was hard. It's really, really hard, man. But this kid gets up at a camp and he says, 
that prior to us coming there, I don't know if it was a week, two, month, I don't remember the time frame, that he had written out a letter to take his life, that he was going to commit suicide, but that God had used our ministry while we were there to change that heart. And today he's in college. He serves in the armed forces. And he's going to school and he's making something of himself and he's actually playing for a worship team there in Oxford for the glory of God. Do you see how much of an impact a small token of generosity can make in someone's life? Do you see? That we took time to go there even when it did, I mean, Listen, nobody would sign up for this gig. I'm not hating, I'm just being real. If I told you all the circumstances surrounding it. But God called us to go to plant some seeds and to go and to preach the gospel faithfully, to go and share this love generously, and it changed the student's life. Listen, it wasn't Rob Sevilla or Gina Sevilla. Is God went before us right come on right come on don't store up for your treasure treasures here be generous in all your ways of your life to affect others for the kingdom of god even when it doesn't feel like it right i don't feel and isn't this the culture all about feelings isn't it really aren't we taught that in media and everything just do what what feels right listen Jeremiah, write this scripture down if you don't know the scripture. And Caleb, do I have it in there? Jeremiah 17, 9. I want to read you this real quickly. I'm like totally away from my notes. I started off on the wrong foot. That's preacher 101, no, no. Okay, but I, I did it, so I can't go back. Can we go to Jeremiah 17, 9? There it is. This is why you never trust your feelings. This is why I never go to hear preachers preach from their heart. Read it. It's right there. I don't want to hear what's in your heart. I want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Why? Because look what the Bible says the heart is. This is why you never trust your feelings. We're not called to live by feelings. We're called to live by faith. We're called to walk in the Spirit of God. Right? Because feelings, there's things vying for your attention, my attention, and all different areas of our life. And guess what? I can come in here this morning and I could preach the most emotional sermon and we could have everybody at the altar and it doesn't mean Jesus is glorified. It means we just had an emotional service. Right? That's why we have to have faith in him and not in our heart. Come on, some of you young people need to hear this this morning because you're told to just do what feels right, do whatever feels good, don't judge me. Right? You kind of get that neck back a little bit. And then I have to do a ninja kick like this around the, like a roundhouse, right? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's why you have to be born again, born from above. There's this process called regeneration that the Holy Spirit comes in and tears down every ounce of your kingdom and builds up the kingdom of God. Amen? All right, lastly here, real quickly, final words of encouragement. Well, let me, let me go here. Six, Matthew 6, 21 there under number four, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it didn't say there we, for where your heart is is where your treasure. It said for where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be. Sometimes we, we mess up, we put the, 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 those things on the wrong side of the comma, right? Okay. Number, final words of encouragement. Even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. Okay. Matthew 10, 42, and if anyone gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward, okay? Living a life of generosity proclaims that I have nothing to offer apart from what a generous God has done in, through, and for me, right? You understand what he's done in me, what he's doing through me, and what he's done for me. Here's real faith is saying this, that he's the rich one and I'm the poor and needy one. You understand? That he has everything to offer. I have nothing to offer, okay? Nothing at all. Number two, when you give, the impact of your generosity often outlives you, okay? 
When you give, the impact of your generosity often outlives you. Okay, listen, let me share this with you real quickly. When I was a kid, my mom was a single mother, four children. We were on welfare the whole nine yards. We grew up in the low, the low income housing projects, everything. And there was a church that we went to. And although sometimes I kind of make fun of the church that I grew up in, not in a mean spirited way, just kind of to loosen people up. Uh, but there was people there that really sowed into our lives as young kids. Okay. And you know that their act of generosity, some of those people are not alive today. But it impacted my life so much that for the past 20 years, that's what I've been doing for others, for the glory of God. I did a church camp for about 17 years, and we took a break because of the church plant here. And do you know that I still run into kids all the time throughout North Mississippi at various places? And they'll say, hey, brother, they call me Brother Rob, right? I, it always kind of, the conversation kind of gets weird when somebody calls you Brother Rob, you know, because you feel like you've got to talk like King James or something, right? You're like, yes, son, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. But, uh, or you got to talk like a real spiritual voice. But anyhow, they're like, hey, Brother Rob, do you remember me? I went to your camp when I was nine years old. And I still remember that. See, your generosity, your small act of generosity will often outlive you for the glory of God. You see? Look at what Jesus says to his disciples right here in John 4, 38. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Right? This is in the story right above this is the story of the, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Anybody ever heard that story? Right? Look at what Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm sending you out to a harvest that others have gone before you and have sowed. The prophets of old. Maybe John the Baptist right, who was a forerunner for Jesus, even Jesus himself. Listen, God is calling you to the harvest here in North Mississippi, and there's been people here for years that have earnestly prayed for true revival to break out in this town. I'm, I'm being serious. There is people that have paved the way long before Celebration Church came here. There's people that have prayed and prayed and preached the gospel and, and laid the path so that churches like this today can go forth. And Jesus is saying, listen, the harvest is here. That was one of the words that the Lord had given me when we planted this, that I want you to go to South Tupelo because there's a harvest. And listen, I don't have time to get in this because I'm running out of time. But there was a man that I met with, and this is actually a friend of Matt's. Okay, and he's an accountant. And he watched the first video that we did for Celebration Church, a little video that we did. Listen, this is a true story. Whether you believe in it or not, you can argue with God later about it, okay? Listen, he said that he had a vision that night, and he saw me on a stage holding two strings of fish, and that I was so happy. And here's what he said the Lord showed him, is that the reason I was happy was not because of the fact that we were building a church or planning a church, was the fact that souls were being saved. Do you understand? See? Right? I mean, you can't even write this stuff. This guy, Matt, am I telling the truth? We went to Peppers, didn't we? And I'll be honest with you. At first, I thought this guy was a little bit of Looney Tunes. I know we're going on podcasts, or he may listen to it. But I was like, Matt brings me to Peppers. This guy I don't even know. And he gets the warms and fuzzies by watching a video that I made. It's kind of as absurd as the 10 camel thing, isn't it? But that's what he said. And he said, I felt like I needed to share that with you to encourage you. What I'm saying to you is that there are people that have been long before us that have paved this road. Their generosity has paved the road. And if we will be faithful to be generous in what God has called us here, it will outlive us and pave the road for a future generation. How can we disciple a future generation in generosity if we're stingy? Because if we're stingy with things that God has given us, guess what we're going to teach the next generation? The same thing. Okay, you still with me? Okay, last one. When you give, you give to the Lord. I think this is where we really miss it. This is so simple. Did God not just shake your ground right now when I said that very profound statement? When you give, you give to the Lord. Like we need like some little thing to shake the room. It's so simple, isn't it? Because some of you in your mind, you don't want to say it out loud, but you're like, well, duh, Rob, I already know that. Then why don't we live like it? 
right? Why don't we live like it? When we give, we give to the Lord. Listen, Matthew 25, 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me, okay? And in this particular passage of scripture, Jesus is talking on the day of judgment, the judgments, right, when he comes back, the sheeps and the goats, right? And the, and the sheep are gonna be his people that he calls to him and the goats are those that rejected faith in him. Listen, when we're doing things of generosity, it's ultimately to bring glory to God, right? God used the story of Rebecca, right? God used the story of Rebecca, used Rebecca in this absurd thing, this journey, right? She goes out and God uses as part of his plan. She gives a drink to not only to Abraham's servant, but also to the 10 camels and does this very generous thing and God uses her in the plan of his salvation to ultimately bring the line for Jesus to come through. Go read Matthew 1 sometime and see the generations, right? Matthew, the book of Matthew, go read chapter 1 sometime and see the genealogy of Jesus, okay? Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Is I think sometimes what we do is we leave it up to others to be generous, okay? And, and let me show you something. This didn't catch on a couple of months ago when we did our generous series, okay? It didn't catch on. How do I know that? Because I had a 1,000 of these made, and there's still a lot of them. I'm just being real with you. Listen, if you get upset, I'm not trying to be one of those angry preachers and step on toes things, and, you know, that guy, I'm not like that. This is not what this is about. What I'm saying to you is that if we want Celebration Church to truly grow, we should be the most generous people in this city. Because listen what, listen what Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians. He, this is what he says, right? People were arguing who to be part of, Apollos or Paul. And listen, he says, one waters and one plants, but who gives the increase? God, okay? We need to be planting and watering like crazy. And one of the best ways to do that it's just a random act of generosity. Listen, you guys, are, you guys give so generously, and I don't tell you this enough, okay? I don't tell you this enough because I don't like to make much of it. I don't want to make videos about it and put it on Facebook to say how generous we are. That, to me, and listen, I'm not criticizing people that do that, but it's not about Celebration Church. It's about Jesus. Amen. But you guys are helping people pay their light bills. You guys are helping people buy clothes that have no clothes, groceries. You're helping people put gas in their cars. You're helping, I, I get calls all the time from Hillsdale and other places that they know, and, and, and we're helping a single mom pay her light bill so she can move into a house. 